We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Go Blue with Stu. I am your host, Stuart Douglas. Today with me, you guys should know him, Sam Webb. You just told me before this, 20th year covering Michigan in general. I mean, that's amazing. That just doesn't happen very often. That feels pretty good, huh? Yeah, man, it feels great. It feels like I'm old. (laughs) I remember when you were a recruit. Yeah. I remember your entire career, right? I remember John Eli's first recruiting class, man. It's, It's crazy, but it. It's also fulfilling, man, to, you know, to see you doing your thing, see you, you know, off in your own uh, programming space now and and reflecting upon Michigan basketball and and obviously uh, kind of enjoying it from a different perspective. That's really fulfilling for me, too. So it's great to be on with you. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, I don't know why I haven't had you on, but we're definitely going to have you on the future. That is for damn sure. It's funny. You've seen it all and like gone through recruiting because you follow recruiting a lot. So I'm curious because. When Zach and I got on campus, the football players thought we were walk-ons. Did you ever picture? <laughs> I mean, you can tell me if you were harsh on that recruiting class. It was one of the worst recruiting classes ever, and it turned you know out what? it turned out okay. You know what? You know, I remember thinking, you know, John Beeline is gonna. It wasn't X's and O's. It was yeah. never a question. I mean, he was so respected across the country for X's and O's. I was like, man, how is how is he ever going to recruit here? Yeah, right. How is he ever going to get players? Because uh, he just didn't have the recruiting reputation, right? Chops, if you will. Well, he understood that. Like, hey, I got to get my program started. It wasn't about the rankings; it was about fit. And you guys fit. You guys fit from a skill set standpoint because they didn't have shooters, and you guys brought that. And then you fit from a grit standpoint. He needed some. I mean, he need he needed some edge. He needed some some toughness, some grittiness, some resolve, right? So I kind of I kind of look at the grit that you and Zach brought, kind of a, a complimentary way. He was kind of the fire and brimstone, kind of you you kind of he wore it on his sleeve. Very yep. And then you were more you were more the 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 calm. He still brought it. Michigan State, big huge ice water in the veins. Three right, <laughs> right. So but you you brought that that mentality and skill set that he needed to kind of get started and then you build around it you start to go out yeah you kind of get those those blue chippers some of those guys that you you develop but i think he was able to evolve he was able to get guys who really fit and then he was able to go out and get some of those blue chip guys that fit them into the mix and i thought he he really settled into a, a place where he didn't have to live at the top of the rankings 
but he did a great job of early talent identification and development and really bridged the gap with a lot of those, the Kentuckys and the Kansases of the yeah. world, who he competed with during yeah. the uh, second 10 years of his his tenure. Yeah, that's that's a high compliment for, uh, from you about us. I, I appreciate that. But it was interesting to see his recruiting process. A really good point about building that program early and finding people who will sacrifice a little bit to build something. And then you have the 13 team and you have all those kids combined and they're like all, six NBA players or whatever it was. And then you can, you can find the right piece to like, all right, we, this is established. You're either going to fit in here or you're not. I don't care how talented you are, but he had a, it was interesting talking with seeing his recruiting process, talking with assistant coaches. And he just wasn't used to like offering a sophomore, Right. a scholarship he's like I, what do you mean the kid's 15 like well why would i do that which to right. be fair i'm i understand that mentality right like that kid's 15 he barely knows anything and like i don't even know how to evaluate him but like if you don't start talking with him you're gonna lose him so it was um it was fun to see him adjust to that and figure that out while not like getting caught up in it right he wasn't like going after every freshman in the top 10 like some coaches will um, he took, still took his time and found the right people, but yeah, I mean, that's a huge adjustment. Like, and you've seen it, like you, they want to build a program like that. Juwan kind of came in seamlessly and like, all right, this is our program. Like we're going to go after top guys, but still find the right people. Uh, but like, you gotta, you gotta adjust from the upsetting West Virginia Mountaineers back then. Like, yeah, mm -hmm. no more pit snoggles. Yeah. Hey man, look, he, they went through a period in that early stage. So he, he obviously was laying the foundation for his program and they were getting like to the finish line with dudes like Clay Thompson came down to Michigan and Washington state. Yeah. Kawhi Leonard came down to like Michigan and said, Diego State. like, they were like right there for some guys that they weren't necessarily, they weren't the five stars at the time, but they were really good. I mean, they, when they went to Washington state and San Diego state, right. They weren't Duke and Carolina, Michigan kind of, and see that they were really guys couldn't quite get them over the top the inner you know you you get that second group of assistants va val jeff meyer and i really think that they they kind of settled into a routine of right so you know they found glenn robinson glenn robinson third in the camp yeah. right you know they he wasn't five star when they started recruiting him they, yeah. He became a five star while they were recruiting him, right? So they they had a lot of recruitments like that. Yeah. You know, uh, when they got on Nick Nick Stauskas, he wasn't necessarily a big time guy. When they got on Trey, he was committed to Penn State. Yep, flipped him. So I I think that they really kind of figured out a way to to kind of live in that upper tier talent wise, uh, upper tier talent level without necessarily always getting them once they became five stars. There were a few exceptions to the rule, like Mitch McGarry. All right, Mitch was that guy when they started recruiting Mitch. Yeah. But the, he was like the exception, man. Most of the guys weren't that guy when they started recruiting them. And the difference when it came to comparing to Clay Thompson and Kawhi Leonard and guys like that is Michigan got on those guys earlier, to your point, yeah. able to establish relationships, develop relationships over the time. over time. Then when they blew up, they knew Michigan. And so they were able to go ahead and, and haul him in. And it was a John Beeline doesn't get enough credit for how good a recruiting outfit they became. People yeah. think that every guy was Stu Douglas and every guy was Zach Novak. 
right? right. Every guy wasn't Stu Douglas and, and Zach Novak from a from a standpoint of hey, no one knows who they are, but yep. they come in and surprise people. By the time they get into the teens, yeah, Michigan they were beating big time schools for their guys, but those big time schools were coming in too late, and that was the difference. Yeah, yeah, which that plays huge. Like to be there, Nick has talked about it before. I talked with Stauskas about it and just them being there for so long and believing in him for so long and sticking with that process. Uh, shout out Clay Thompson for not accepting that scholarship offer. I, will, I never would have gone to Michigan. So that was huge for me <laughs> that it was not not as cool to go to Michigan back then. Um, but yeah, Beeline, he knew how to find the right people. And I, I, I believe as well, like BA, Laval, Jeff Meyer, they helped the program turn a corner that way. And really hone in on the methodology of it all. Like we're going to make this a system, really build the system. BLN was all about systems, right? He named all his plays. Like everything was down to a T with passing. And they were able to take kind of the fringe things outside of basketball that BLN wasn't used to with like a big time program, be able to, you know, take that load off of his shoulders and be like, all right, we'll hone this system that way, which there's a lot, man. There's a lot you got to juggle building the big program. It's a, you know, my mom begged me forever to be a college basketball coach, and I, it took me two years to watch to see them uh, operate and be like, never in my life will I be a college basketball coach. Just, it's not for me. It takes it takes a lot. <laughs> so it's, uh, I have a lot of respect for them that figure right. it out. But I'm curious with what you've seen with Juwan because you have been here following or covering Michigan for so long. Talk about differences. You know, maybe some that stick out. Maybe it's recruiting. Maybe it's you know, definitely styles a little bit. Um, kind of those early stages they but they've taken over two different programs basically beyond was a very different start uh with michigan their program was in a very different spot Juwan taken over in a di- very different spot like have you seen some good similarities some bad differences what, what's your take so far i know Juwan. people have been questioning this team this year but I, I i like him and i think he's done a good job so what what have you seen with everything yeah i mean they they ran into um you know it, it's roster composition um mm. the, the volatility of the times i think it's one yeah. of the reasons why john got out yeah you know i mean i think he always had that burning desire to coach in the pros but i think he saw what was coming with transfer portal i mean you got to recruit your own squad and you got to yes. get out here and, and get on these recruits and you got a lot obviously you had to the investigation with all these guys getting paid and they they aren't getting punished it's like hey man let me go do something different right <laughs> i think juan uh coming in the door from a recruiting standpoint, um, you know, you, you wonder if guys can adjust from from the pros and you wonder if they're going to grind. It's a different kind of grind in college. And yep. he came in right away and, you know, grinding and recruiting, grinding uh, when it comes to to coaching um, a lot. In a lot of ways, it's a it's a more difficult challenge. The one that he stepped into, you know, there were no. No real expectations uh, when John Beeline takes over this program. They have been, right. they been to the tournament in forever. Hey, if you just make the tournament, it's like, you know, shoot off fireworks. Yeah, it was. Juwan, yeah. Juwan was charged with, with replacing the best coach in program history. John Beeline is the best basketball coach in program history. He made it to Monday night twice. I mean, Final Fours, Big Ten Championships. Mm-hmm. I thought he was the coach of the decade. Personally, when you when you consider, you know, Tom Izzo, his program was established. Matt Painter, his program was established. Uh, Bo Ryan, his program was established. 
John Beeline had to establish his program going through those guys. Yeah. Right. It was harder. And he he had more first round picks than those guys. Yep. He had more championship games appearances than those guys. He had the better program. So if you're Juwan Howard, you got to come in and maintain that. And I thought, you know, he's done a really good job of coming in and sort of maintaining the level. Obviously, there's been a dip this year. And I yep. think it's, you know, some of it is unfortunate. You know, you 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 have Frankie Collins transfer. You get you go out and get Jalen Llewellyn, and that was going to be a it was going to be a longer transition process for him. But uh, I mean, you're missing the guy who you counted on to be your primary ball handler. You missed the guy who you're counting on to bring some shooting, and now you're you're thrusting a true freshman into the role of point guard. You're charging Kobe Bufkin, who is growing into his into himself as a you know, as a, a frontline player on the team, now you're telling him he's going to have to handle more of the point, point guard duties too. Yeah. It has been a, a setback for this team uh, when you have such an inexperienced backcourt. Uh, and I think that's the biggest hindrance to, to them sort of trying to find some footing right now. Uh, and, you know, it's a work in progress. I mean, I, I can't sit here and tell you that I know they're going to figure it out. <laughs> I'm hoping they're going to figure it out. Yeah. Um, you know, I think they haven't experienced enough coaching staff to do so. And you got a go-to player that can take some pressure off of them. But I know we're going to talk about Michigan State. I felt like the big fella was finding his teammates for open looks. You know, you got to knock down some shots, man. And they just couldn't knock down shots in that game. Yeah. Yeah. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. To the point with Juwan real quick, and I do want to get into the Michigan State game, I see him learning in real time. Like, they got, you know, different coverages, right? Like, it takes a while for a, to be a head coach and be like, all right, I've seen this before, you know, in the last five years, six years. Like, you get comfortable with what you've seen before. When you get new stuff thrown at you, like, let's say – Virginia is hedging ball screen defense mm. and they take you out of stuff. You're like, all right, we got to work on that next week. And because they're because teams are going to be playing us more of that Dublin uh, Hunter in the post, wherever the case may be, different coverages, different styles of teams. You got to you experience these things. And then you get comfortable, like how to game plan, how to prep your team. Like it, I know that because it took me many years as a player to like figure that out. And I know, even though you've been there as a player and as a coach, like it's very different leading a basketball team and one that I don't know. So I know that it's a unique experience. Like you have to experience it in order to get better at it. So I see him learning in real time and I see him improving on some things. There's definitely some things that I would like to see more improvement on 
in terms of leading these guys, specifically from an offensive standpoint. But I think it's, you know, these things are clicking here and there. They're not coming together the way people expected to, I think, this year at least. Yeah, I think it was a big adjustment um, the, the first year, uh, especially defensively. I remember, you know, watching them drop coverage versus Michigan State. I mean, that it, it, he's a big guy in analytics. Yeah. And mid-range shots are, are terrible for most teams. But that Michigan State team, they we're killing them. Like, you can't yeah. – I mean, it, and so I think – I think sort of getting a feel for the college game and what your guys can do, uh, knowing the opposition and what some of the strengths of of the opposing teams were. I think it, he had to go through it. But I think now uh, it, it's less about um, having a feel for what other teams do, uh, you know, having a, a feel for the strategy that, that applies at this level and more about, man, what – what can the guys that I have on this roster execute? I think it's a roster thing right now. I remember asking Phil Martelli this earlier in the season, man, when, when Jalen Llewellyn was playing. And I said, you know, what you guys want to do defensively? You know, I see you guys struggling. Is it personnel or is it scheme? Are, are there certain things that you just aren't going to be able to do? Because, you know, sometimes you just don't have quickness in the backcourt. Sometimes yeah. you just don't have size in the backcourt. Sometimes you just don't have, you know, guys who can move their feet well enough to hedge and recover, right? I mean, right. And, and so you're running into all of those issues and inexperience right now on this team, which is, you know, kind of the segue to Michigan State. I thought Michigan State was one of their best defensive efforts of the season. I thought yeah. their ball screen coverages were outstanding. I thought their defensive ro rotations were great. They just couldn't match. They couldn't pair that with the same kind of efficiency on the other end of the floor where it was one of the worst outings of the year. I know you got to give Michigan state some credit for that, but I think part of a big part of that was what Michigan didn't do in that game too. Yeah. I talked with Saudi Washington earlier in the year. This was before the Eastern Michigan game. And like talking about like game planning for Damani Bates. And he's like, you know, the other guys on, he gave me kind of the political answer. The other guys on Eastern Michigan are talented too. You know, we got to prepare for the whole team and basically, we're still trying to, like, teach these guys how to play defense. Like, we're not there yet to where we can do kind of some specific things. And I I think that is – that's it's it's a tough thing. It's an uphill battle for a coaching staff because, you know, I, I used this um, example before on the podcast. But, like, we played Penn State and Taylor Battle. That was a one-man game plan, right? Like, my, my strategy <laughs> right. was beeline called it cut off the head of the snake. Taylor gives it up. You deny, full deny, Taylor, make everyone else beat you. Um, So, like, game plans like that where they seem easy, but you need veteran guys who know how to play defense and no rotations and know how to play a four and four, know how to play specific types, like switching patterns, changing. So, that's just a learning experience. I mean, Jet and Doug, even Kobe is still getting major, like first time getting major minutes. Like you want Cheddar to play, um, whoever, like a lot of people, it's it's not easy. So it's an uphill battle defensively. I, and to get in the Michigan State game, I think, yeah, that was their that was their strength. They they showed a intensity and it's focus. I think with basketball overall, you learn it you just gotta when you learn it then you gotta just focus on it and like those rotations 
you got to be focused at all times. Like you can't, you can't lose your thought for half a second or that ball is whizzing past your head and Joey Hauser getting an open three. And they've, mm-hmm. they've had that this year. They've been, you've seen it. They've been slow on rotations and they're just thinking too much, right? They're young and they're just thinking too much. This game, they were, they were on it. Like the, they were intense. And I think it starts with Hunter there. I think that when he establishes that intensity guarding the ball screens, and I want to get into your asking you about where this comes from. I think for me, it starts with Hunter on both ends, but you know, they established that early and that's a, that's a good sign for me in the big 10. Like, I think, I think I'm, I'm still a glass half full uh, with this team. And I think there's some potential there if they can build on this defensively, because, you know, offensively you can win a big 10 game, 50 to 45. Like you don't have to be great offensively to win a game, which is a good thing. So you keep building on defensively, but um I mean, like you, you said it before, I did you, I think that they're still learning, but you liked what you saw against Michigan state. I did. I like what I saw defensively yeah, against yeah. Michigan state. I mean, if they can bottle that up and, and apply it to other games, they'll go along. That'll go a long way. Cause I, I, I mean, there were games earlier in the year where you're like, man, are they going to be able to guard anyone? I mean, yeah. they could not stay in front of, they could not stay in front of Arizona. They couldn't stay in front of Frankie Collins. They couldn't stay in front of Noah Farrakhan. I mean, Virginia. But Virginia is, is supposed to be able to break you down, right? Yeah. But they, everyone's breaking them down off the dribble. And, you know, ball screen coverages are an adventure. Yep. This was the most coherent game of the season. Uh, Tyson Walker had a couple times where he broke them down off the dribble. But those those instances were few and far between. I think Joey Hauser, I think he must was three for 13 from the field or something like that. Like he that, did have yeah. a great game. They did what they needed to do to give them a chance, uh, you know, to win that game. Now, you know, Michigan State will say they just missed – they did miss a lot of shots. But I, I think Michigan's defense, more so than than I feel like the other way around. Maybe it, call it biased, but yeah. I felt like the big fella in that game, one of the travesties of that game is he came out of it with zero assists because he should have had more. I, I mean, he was doing a great job of finding open guys on the perimeter. And I, I would ask Phil, because I talk to Phil Martelli every week, and there would be games where he would get like seven, eight shots. And, I, and you know, part of me is like, he's got to demand the basketball more. Like, there has to be an emphasis yep. to get Hunter, run through Hunter. And Phil's like, yes, you're right. Guys got to remember where the bread is butter. However, the way teams are playing us, we can't get floor spacing. They are crowding Hunter in the post. You know, either he either he plays on the perimeter, he catches it outside, or he's got to get into a move quick. But really, the problem is guys can cheat off our guys on the perimeter. We got to figure out a way to space the floor. And I, fi- I, I found myself thinking about that in this game. Guys are collapsing on Hunter every single time. He is doing a great job of being a quarterback, finding guys on the perimeter, and they didn't make one open look. Not one. Yeah, I think it was like three for twenty, three for twenty from three point range, and that's just you're gonna lose every game like that. So they got it. They got to knock down good looks when they get them. Yeah, it, uh, shooting's been off. I think Jet's been off. I, I'm sure he'll find his stroke again. But yeah, for me, it starts with Hunter, and it's a microcosm. Of, I think what you and me both think is a play against um, Maryland coming off the Central Michigan loss. And it's like the second or third possession and he's running down the court and he's pointing at Kobe to pass the ball ahead 
to Terrence and he's at the three point line. He's like, I'm going to post up right now. I like, pass it. I don't post up. You didn't see that at all against central Michigan. You didn't see that much against Michigan state in the first half. And he even came out with a quote. I don't know who asked it, but where, where the article was, I think it was on CBS, but uh, saying, you know, I got to be more aggressive. I was aggressive in the second half. I got to be more aggressive to start the game. And I think even if they are collapsing on them all the time and they're guarding people in space, which, you know, we can get to, I think Michigan needs to move more when Hunter's has the ball in his hands, but when Hunter's, yeah, when, when, like a shooter. When, <laughs> yes. When Hunter is active, even if he's like not going to score the ball, but like the easiest player to guard is the one that moves the least. Like you always know where he's at, like stay mm-hmm. active. Even if you're not the quickest guy, Hunter's not the quickest guy, but you stay active and aggressive. When he caught those passes against Penn state, when he's the most successful posting up and he just catches and goes, this year, you know, last year he was a little more methodical and he got away with it. This year he hasn't been as confident when he's more methodical. When he just goes, it's harder to guard him. When he's when he stays still, a six four guy from Penn State can give him a little push out of the paint. So I think it does. It starts with him, and, and he's got to remember that he should be an All American candidate and that he is good. I think he's lost a little bit of confidence through those that Kentucky game, uh, the UNC game. And he's got to remember that he is the man to to carry this team. But, you know, the strategy around it, that's interesting asking Phil, like, you know, you're right. And then he's got, you know, he watches the film and he's going to, you know, uh, give it back to you. Like, yeah, but we got to do this as well. But I think overall, yeah, it's feed Hunter and then and then move. Like, you got to move around him. You got to cut. <laughs> I like what Terrence is doing. I like yeah. Terrence setting flares off of it. He cutting or setting screens on the backside. I mean, do you think that that's a focus for them? Like, do you get that sense from Phil that they kind of know where their bread is buttered and they're going to go to it? Or are they still trying to build like a holistic offense? Yeah. So uh, two things. I, I think that they're, you know, we're still, uh, we aren't even at the halfway point of the season, but earlier yeah. in the year, I felt like that there were times where, you know, you got some, I think Jets really talented. I, I really think Kobe, can be a really, really good player for them. Yeah. Uh, you know, you uh, at the time you had Jalen Llewellyn out there. I think you had guys, everyone's trying to, it is, it's the role definition period. Yep. And I think Hunter was was trying to, um, was trying to, he's trying to be a leader. He's trying to get other guys involved. But part of being a guy is, is knowing when to facilitate and knowing when to say, give me the damn ball. Like, yeah. I, let me go to work. And I think that's been a part of his evolution. I think he's been much more vocal, much more willing to hold teammates accountable. I think the last bit of that for him is to, to on the floor, kind of be demanding of his teammate. Give me the ball. Pass it over there. You know, yep. be that, to be that coach on the floor that's, that's getting in the guys. And, and maybe not necessarily getting in the guys, but, you know, like I said, demanding the basketball that's a big big deal the other part of it though to your point i also think early in the season you had a lot of guys just stand and watch hunter when he got the basketball made made them easy to guard too i feel like that's gotten better yeah you know i i I feel like a bigger issue for the guys around hunter is I, i feel like the the confidence offensively for them and you mentioned terrence i i think he's struggling with his confidence right now yep you know i think he uh, I think he was a guy who expected with more opportunities that he was just going to be able to carry that efficiency over. 
that with greater volume, he was just gonna he was just gonna get more points. And he hasn't been able to shoot uh as effectively as he wants to. I think you can see the hesitancy with him out there on the floor. And then I, I think you see that with some of the other guys out there as well. I mean, I think you see at times Kobe was struggling with his with his jumper. And yep. yeah, on one hand, you gotta keep shooting. Right. On the other hand, to me, while you're trying to find it, figure out other ways to contribute. For T. Will, rebound, man. That yep. was in that was big in the Penn State game. Yep. For Kobe, attack the rim. And it so whether it's whether it's sprinting in transition, which Juwan was really hard on, or just not settling, be, being really, really intentional in the half court of, I'm going to try to muscle my way to the rim. And if it's just a, getting to the free throw line, a lot of these jumpers just aren't falling right now. Let's try to get offense in other ways while we try to find some perimeter efficiency. I think they got to figure out a good balance until those jumpers start falling with more regularity. I'm going to give Terrence, now this is from a bias standpoint, I'm going to give Terrence some leeway there because he knows he is the last option in the starting five on offense, and he knows he needs to do the other things. And so, like, when he finds himself open, you know, you would think that anybody who finds himself open is going to shoot it, but he's like, no, that's not my role. Like, I'm going to – I got to go do something else. And we're all screaming at him to shoot. But, like, I've been there, and it's not easy. Like, it's it's not a confident place to be in shooting a basketball when you think – this better go in because I'm not supposed to be doing this as much as other guys. And it's, it's nerve wracking, man. And it, it'll cripple you at times. And I think Terrence, you know, in that article, Hunter said, like, we're talking to him, like he just needs to be confident. We want him to be aggressive. Something you're usually not something I, I wouldn't have said on my teams about the fifth option. Like I would have been like, <laughs> no, no, that guy needs to, we need to get it back out and run the offense. <laughs> so it's nice. It's nice to see that like, they believe in him. They want him to shoot when he's open. And that's going to be huge because when you play around a Hunter Dickinson, all other four guys got to be ready to go for 15. Like you got to be ready. You got to find, especially like Terrence, like go find the openings, be the guy that, you know, you don't have to play one-on-one, but like you're unguardable because you're everywhere and you know where to find the right spots. Like that guy is one of the hardest to play on any team, on any level. He might not be able to dribble, do a between the legs, right to left but he'll get you seven buckets a game because he knows exactly where to be. And that guy is just as valuable, if not more valuable than anybody else in the court. So I think Terrence can be that guy. He's figuring out how to be that guy. And I, I, I still believe in him. The funny part is like, I believe in the talent of this team. I fully believe in the talent of this team. It's just piecing it together and having the confidence and aggressiveness. And I want to ask you about Kobe because I think he's been the most consistent aggressive player on this team and it has been huge i mean i think he was the reason they were even in that central michigan game he gets in the paint more than anybody else he gets those hockey assists more than anybody else and i really like i I really wanted to see him i really want to see him with the ball in his hands more coming off ball screens i believe in doug but i think they can spread the offense out in that manner and really get him going um and you know i've just been really impressed with him yeah i'm uh, people who watch me know that I'm big on Kobe, man. I, I think <laughs> that it. he has a chance to be – I really think he has a chance to be a pro. And maybe it sounds like hyperbole at this point, right, watching I him believe. where he is in his his development. But, you know, the, the transition for him uh, was a bit rough defensively. I was impressed by how physically ready to go he was as a freshman because he was so real thin. I didn't think there's any way 
that Kobe was going to come in and, and be ready to to play. Physically, mm-hmm. he was ready. Defensively, he was not. Um, he he lost minutes because he was a liability on the defensive end as a freshman. A lot of freshmen are though. That's not oh yeah, you know, unique to him. But credit him with really uh, getting in the lab this summer, and with with obviously with Sandman. But I'm talking about getting into uh, the the nuances of of playing defense, be learning the 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 skill of being more vocal because Kobe's not a vocal guy. Like I'm just just naturally you talk to him, he's a soft spoken guy. He's not the the rah rah really. So for yeah. him to be vocal on the court is an undertaking, and he started to do that right, being aggressive on the offensive end, right, being comfortable in that. Now the the issue was you you've added a layer of complexity to his role by telling him he's he's not just a fill in yeah. at, at point guard right after Jalen Llewellyn and Doug McDaniel. Now like you're you're a dude you're expected to be a facilitator on this team. Yep. Uh, and that that sort of that made things um, a little more challenging for him. But you're right, Stu. I mean he. I feel like his efficiency, his aggression, getting to the rim, he's a really good free throw shooter. I think that those things have been steadying forces for an offense that is what really inconsistent. What he hasn't quite been able to do yet is be be a consistent jump shooter. And Kobe can shoot. Yep. Like I get into this with, with uh, Tim McCormick all the time, who I do my podcast with, and he would say, I don't want Kobe to shoot threes. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, hey, Kobe should not, he shouldn't shoot. And I was like, Tim, he's in a cold spell right now. Right. Kobe can shoot. Like you, to me, he's a guy that you want to keep shooting. Not not to the point where he's turning down clear opportunities to be, you know, to be aggressive to the basket. He, you know, don't take as many as maybe he he would he would take if he was going well, but he's got to keep shooting because he has it in him. And I think slowly but surely we're starting to see him get comfortable in his skin when it comes to the balance that a guy like him has to have as a point guard, as a combo guard. When do you facilitate? When do you go for yours? I really feel like Kobe is kind of settling into his skin in that regard. Yeah, I could talk about Kobe forever. I think he's just been super impressive. I really liked his decision making. That's been one thing for me, like all the shots and drives he's making and decisions. I'm like, yeah, I really don't have a problem with any of these, you know, when somebody going through this learning process, usually there's like a game where they'll be like, all right, those seven shots were just not great. They were tentative, but like, he's so fluid. He gets to his spots that you're like, even if he misses four in a row, you're like, yeah, like that was his shot. That's what he does. Like he got to his spot, which is huge. Getting to your spot. We talk about it all the time, guarding a guy, like don't let him get to their spots. Like, you know, this guy likes to go pull right. up left one dribble. Don't let him do it. And Kobe gets to his spots. Right. And even when he doesn't get to his spots, he still makes a good decision there. So that's been impressive. It's an interesting take. Like Tim's kind of the old school guy, right? Like, uh, well, he's not making it. Don't <laughs> shoot it. But there's a long-term <laughs> look here. And especially, you know, with guys that can move. Frankie Collins, who you thought was going to be the point guard of the future for Michigan. Boom, he's gone. You want Kobe there for two more years playing high-level basketball, you know, flirting with all Big Ten teams because he will if he stays and continues on this trajectory and I am all about like, you gotta let guys make mistakes to be good. Like you gotta let Steph Curry shoot the crazy stuff 
So like when it, he know when he makes the crazy stuff, like it's normal for him, like and he's confident. So the, you know with Doug with Kobe, like we're so used to I think in college basketball being like that guy was inefficient. Like we needed to you know handcuff him a little bit, go towards where it's working. But Juwan's kind of like, dude, we all gotta be good on this team. Like you have at, no, at any point with our offense, right. you gotta be ready to go. So I don't mind it as much. I know it'll lose you some games, but. It'll be interesting to see how it pans out this year. So far, it's worked. Last year, they had a, they had issues with that, but then they made it to the Sweet 16. So it's interesting strategy, coaching-wise. Yeah, I mean, you know, here here's the unfortunate circumstance for us is, you know, it's like, like Michigan fans or, uh, you know, Michigan reporters or – and even for the coaches. Mm-hmm. You know, development often takes time. Yeah. It often takes time. Uh, and it, it's hard to be patient when you look around and you see you see other teams with new players that are off to great starts. Like you look at Purdue, you know, Fletcher Lawyer and uh and Brayton and Brayden Smith are yep. they're playing like veterans, man. They're it's like, man, where <laughs> you know, Bryce Insabaugh from Ohio State. Yep. Is playing like a veteran. It's like, man, these dudes look like juniors out there, you know. Indiana, you you lose sight. You you look pay so much attention to Trace Jackson Davis, but you look over there and you you see another freshman ball player in Jalen Hood Shafano looking like he's a pro, a, looking like he's a pro, right? And yeah. so you then you look at Michigan's guy and Jet. I think Jet is going to be special. Yep, right. But it's taking a little bit more time in the incubator for for Michigan's guys development. Take, so. Maybe for for Michigan, maybe it's later in the year where Kobe is kind of settled in because the difference with all these guys have been thrown for a loop. Even Jet has had to have some ball handling duties now, right? Yeah. So you you've added layers of complexity to what you you're asking them to do. They're new in these roles. On top of it, you know your 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 primary your big time player is often being taken out of his game. Uh, you had a big time injury from a one of the guys who's going to be a leader on the team. It adds a it's a recipe for a process where you're going to have some young players struggle a bit. Hopefully, it's struggle that that leads to success in this window. It may not be the case though, Stu. I'm I'm trying I'm riding with you. I'm trying to maintain <laughs> the optimism that it's going to happen this year. Yeah, but I also think we got to be prepared for the the very distinct possibility that what they're going through this year is a foundation for next year. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that might be the case, you know, with those guys, sensible lawyer Smith, whatever the case may be, I know Purdue plays, they kind of let those guys be a little free. They have the freedom. Like you're not going to, you're not going to have those types of players. You know, you can't handcuff sensible to like 12 smart shots. You got to let them shoot 17. You know, and then to have yeah. the big games, and then some games will be so. It is a give and take. There are we. You know, are, are is Michigan be able to capitalize this year off their talent? Who knows? But it is a long game, and I would not be upset with a Doug McDaniel, Kobe Bufkin backcourt for two more years after this. I think that would right. be unbelievable. I am all in on both those guys. So, like, if you do what it takes to keep keep those guys developing and happy whatever it is like i think those two are going to be great yeah you know Stu, you you i think you just nailed it in that this is 
this is the glass half full perspective hmm. that you know the the core of this team is likely going to be around for a minute. Jet maybe being the exception, right? Yeah. I mean, I could I could see Jet. This was another debate with Tim. I remember watching Jet at the NBA Players Association Top 100 camp before a senior year, and I was like, Tim, because I hadn't seen Jet as a ball handler attacking the run. He was running his team down at the uh, at the Top 100 camp, and I was like, man, if he can develop a left hand. Watching him be so successful, because look, they they aren't scouting. There's no scouting reports at a top 100 camp, so he can get to the rim at, at will going yeah. right. You get to college, though, it's going to be different. There's going to be scouting reports. They're going to take away your right hand. Well, man, I'm watching him cross dudes over, go behind his back, spin move in the lane. I'm like, ah, oh. Tim, he's looking like he's going to be a two-and-done guy. He's with me on that now. So I could see it's not going to be this year for Jet, but I could see next year being that winner. But the rest of the guys... The rest of the guys, provided they don't get antsy about the pace of of their development or how many minutes they're getting to hit the portal, you got to worry about that these days, right? Yep. If they stick around, you can, you know, there's something to be said for having guys that'll stick in a program for two or three years and grow up together, and that's kind of the the core group of this team. I think it's guys that are going to be together for a good period of time that yep. in a year and certainly or, or two could be the foundation for one an upper tier team in this league. I'm not giving up on this year though, Stu. I don't want no. to make it like like no. they got an Iowa game coming up and I think Iowa is a is a great opportunity for them. Yeah, I do. I do. I uh yeah, I, I'm I'm not as optimistic on Jet. I mean, we saw Caleb Houston, six eight shooter. Like the league just loves six seven guys and above who can shoot and handle and Jet definitely fits that bill. Um and his dad played in the NBA. He's watched the NBA. He's dreamed about the NBA forever. I think Kobe and Doug are definitely like, like they're hard nosed. They want to stick around, build this thing up. I mean, Kobe's talked about it. You've seen enough quotes to be like, yeah, this guy is going to want going to be around for a while. And he wants to make an impact. That's for sure. I'd be shocked if he ever left, but you never know. I mean, it, it's up to him. Um, yeah. I'm not, I'm not as optimistic on jet, but we'll, we'll table that. Wait, so I, you I think, think, so I think, you think he'll be a one and done. I think he's going to definitely test it. I, I I don't see why you wouldn't. I think you go through the process. But, like, being a 6'7 guy, now it depends how he finishes. If he finishes the year shooting, you know, 30% from three like he has the past few games, which I don't foresee. But if he does that, then, like, all right, dude, maybe come back and, you know, develop that three-point shot. But, I mean, from what I've seen, I, I would imagine the scouts are kind of licking their chops, especially in that 20 to 20 to 30 range at the end of the first round where it's like we can get a good six, seven value at the first round for like, yeah, I, I just that's it's hard to come by now. Like six, seven guys who can handle and shoot the ball. It's, uh, you know, you're definitely teams are taking a look. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, I don't know if you're buying, but you're definitely looking for sure. break up yeah you did a little bit okay all right well this will be a good transition to iowa we'll we'll close out the episode talk about iowa a little bit iowa two and three in big 10 play uh coming out back-to-back wins against iu and Rutgers. take that for what you will i mean iu's not been super great Rutgers is fine they got chris murray all-american candidate averaging over 20 a game the other guys they're fine, I think. You you've watched a lot of Iowa. What yeah. do you see? Do you think it's going to be a bigger matchup problem, Garden Murray, 
or a bigger matchup problem for Iowa guarding Hunter? Uh, I think Michigan guarding Chris Murray is going to be the harder matchup. Uh, look, you know, I, I think one of the – I don't even know if it's a secret at this point. Philip Robracha is really coming on for for Iowa. Uh, he's looking like he looked back at North Dakota. I think last year was a, a transition for him. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he is – he is scoring at a good clip, and he is really rebounding the basketball. I think that's going to be a nice matchup uh, in the middle. But, you know, Chris Murray can – he's not Keegan, all right? Yeah. But no. he's Keegan Light. <laughs> he's yeah. Keegan Light, man. I mean, he's got a whole trick bag. He can shoot the three. He can play – he can do – he can do all the things that Keegan could do. Just, you know, a, a clip short of that is a very, very tough matchup. For a guy that has a three-way go, a guy who can shoot a three, who can put it on a deck, and can play with his back to the basket. So, uh, you know, to to me, the way you exploit it, because they want to make it a they want to make it a track meet. Because yeah, Iowa yeah. is ne- hey, they'll never be known for their defense. I think an anomaly was what they did to Rutgers. I think they held Rutgers to like 38%. I think they threw Rutgers off by going zone early in that game. Mm-hmm. And you know, I think Michigan, having seen that, will be more ready for it. Question is, you know, will Michigan kind of shake the you know the shooting woes from from the um, uh, from the Michigan State game? Yeah, and, and be able to maybe shoot them out of that. Some be able to spread the floor, be able to give Hunter some room to work. That's a big deal. This, this to me is a game for a team coming off a a uh, a loss where they shot horribly. This is a game where you can get healthy real quick. You're going to get some good looks in this game. Can you knock them down on the road? That is a, I'm not taking for granted that they're going to be able to do that. I know they're going to get good looks. My question is, will they be able to knock them down? Will they be able to give Hunter some space? Because even a team as challenged as Iowa is defensively, you know, you can make it hard to get, get the ball down to Hunter and he's going to have, uh, you know, a pretty decent guy to go against, and he's going to have to play defense himself. That's always one of the things that I look to, Stu, and I wonder what you think about this. Whenever there was a guy on the other side that I was worried about, how are, how are we going to stop them? Make them play some defense, right? Yeah. And Hunter's going to have to play some defense in this game. And like yeah. I said, Robracha's, you know, he's looking like, he's looking like, I mean, he, he'll be in the, in the running for most improved player. Yeah. And so, yeah, you know, that's gonna be it's gonna be taxing for Hunter on both ends of the floor. You're gonna have to you're gonna have to help him out way more than guys helped him out in the Michigan State game because you know they were talking about oh yeah he had you know what did, what did he finish with in that game 17 points on 16 shots. First of all, he was 50 percent from the field. Second of all, he was really good at finding open guys. I thought Hunter played a really good game. Yeah, I don't think it was. You know, anything to be critical of. Yeah, I think they were critical of him because he did a lot of talking before the game. <laughs> I thought he did everything he could do within his power, but he can't, you know, he can't make the pass and make the three too. Like yeah. the teammates gotta help him out some in this game, and that's gonna be a big deal because they will get some open looks. Iowa from the from now until or you know, from for as long as Fran McCaffrey's gonna be there, won't even practice defense too. Yeah, they don't. They don't spend any time on defense in Iowa City. I'm being facetious, but you get my point. Yeah, it's yeah. not an emphasis down there, Iowa. Can you take advantage of that if you're Michigan? Is a big question. Yeah, I think I think you're gonna see 
I wouldn't be shocked at zone early on, like seeing some zone. They're shooting, I think on the season, 33% from three. I got notes here, 48% from three in the last two wins and the last two losses before that, 26%. So it could go both ways. They might test the waters early, see how that zone works. If they're not giving up too many open looks, if they're not converting too many open looks, you know, save, save Hunter slow Iowa down. I think, I think Michigan would be better not to get in a complete track meet because that last 10 minutes with a small rotation, right. especially at guard it's it's the, it's buckle up time and it's tough. It's tough to do when you have to have, when your three guards in jet, I'm throwing them in there as a wing, like have major offensive responsibility you know, equally, it's hard to make them go back and forth. Like, I could play 38 minutes in college, 40 minutes in college, because they weren't relying on me to come up ball screens over and over and over again. Like, right. Trey, you know, then got, like, more of a rest on defense, because then I focused on defense. But, like, these guys have a more equal balance. So, I would expect some zone. It's going to be interesting to see Rebraca, Garden, Hunter, if they go for him early on. And how Hunter, you know, it's up to him, man. It, you You see it early on. When he's got a guy and he's like, nah, this guy, he doesn't, he doesn't got it. Like, I'm going to get him. He gets Rebraca in foul trouble. All right, look out. Then they're, then right. I was in trouble. And and Hunter's been doing that in the last few games. You know, I, uh, Maryland and Penn State got multiple guys in foul trouble, and it killed the other team in the last four minutes. Last fight in Maryland, not so much. But Penn State in the last four minutes, mm-hmm. that's huge. That's everything. Like, it's, it's a lot more than just scoring. So I just want to see Hunter be aggressive, man. I think everyone else will piece it together, I think. The guards will find their three. Uh, they're, they're shooting. They'll find their aggressiveness because, like you said, Iowa's not going to play much defense. But I want Hunter to make it easier on everybody else, and he has that capability. It's a lot on his shoulders, but yeah. he's good enough, and he's smart enough to do it. So I don't know. It'll be interesting. But I really think he's going to look at Rebraca like a like a insult, which <laughs> Rebraca's good, but, like, you know, this big kind of lumbering white guy, you're like, what is this dude doing in front of me? That's It's a uh, – I don't know. It's a weird thing in basketball when you see like a big. You saw Hunter's gonna profile Rebracha, man. He's gonna he's gonna profile. Oh, you do it. Trust me. But you know what? I I hope I hope he has that. That's the Hunter mentality you want. To your point. Yeah. You know. So. Yeah. That's that's what you want to see. What's uh? What is one thing you want to watch? Like see specifically scheme wise. If it's defense, if it's some ball screen, or if it's offense. What have you liked recently or you think might work against Iowa? You know, what might work against Chris Murray? Something that you've thought about game plan wise. Well, you know, to to me, I like I want to see Kobe in more two man game scenarios. To mm. your point, I, I think they got to manufacture ways to get he, he doesn't need a ball screen to get downhill. Make no mistake. No, I think I want to be early in the game intentional about getting Kobe Bufkin downhill, getting him to the rack. You can do that by putting him in more ball screen scenarios out the gate. Yep. That's what I want to see. I know you, you talk about offensively, we got to get Hunter going. Second option is jet. I understand the hierarchy, but to me, their best free throw shooter, their best guy off the bounce is Kobe Bufkin. Let's get some easy some easy uh, opportunities going to the rim early in the game. I want to see them try to do that in this contest down in Iowa City. Yeah, it's just like be direct, be aggressive. You saw in the Michigan State game, I mean, there were spells where they were like all kind of looking at each other like, what do we do? And then 20 seconds goes by and it's like, all right, well, we'll try a half-assed ball screen now that we really don't even believe in and our spacing's bad. 
So when, if, when they execute, they're really talented. And I think Kobe is a good one to get it too early on because you know he's going to be direct and aggressive and, and get to his spots. Um, I do want to give Doug some leeway in that Michigan State game when it came out uh, a little bit before recording this that he was three days sick, missed practice three days before the Michigan State game, got fluids the day of the Michigan State game. So, you know, I would have chalked it up for him, like zero points, four assists, four rebounds, you know, that's tough as a freshman point guard in Breslin, man. Breslin is tough, but thought I'd been like, all right, he'll be fine. He'll move on. He This kind of kid will bounce back. But then coming off that, like three days, no practice, your, your fluids are low that day. Like, all right, that makes more sense because, you know, mm-hmm. it just makes more sense total. So I, I still believe in Doug with all that stuff. You know, I just want to see them be – I want to see them have fun and be fluid and be free and, like, play their talents and – I don't know. I fully believe if you, do you, I feel like you still have some hope with this team finishing the year. I don't know. I, and I don't want to, I don't want to, no, you're not. Kind of, yeah. I don't want to give that kind of the tone or, or vibe, but I, I'm just trying to be realistic about, um, you know, the, what I know the limitations of this team are and will they be able to overcome them in time uh, this year? I, I think Doug, you know, watching him in this short period of time, I, I like how comfortable he's he's getting. Mm-hmm. Um, you're expediting his development because two things coming in, you know, he's never he's obviously he's not a tall guy. <laughs> uh, and so and he wasn't a guy who was regarded as a jump shooter coming out of high school. Got into practice in the early going. I remember talking to the coach. He's like, man, he's shooting the lights out and mm. in, uh, in practice. So you watch him. You know, come down the court, pull up with confidence from three point right. I thought, okay, yeah. duh. you see, but but even more important than that, and this is a big key watching him in high school. It's like, man, he's got to get a mid range game because Doug can he can get by. I mean, you can play off him, and he can still blow by you. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. The issue was he would get too deep and can't finish. Yeah, you get in the woods with the those trees, and it's tough. Right, huh? right, and so. Can he get a mid-range game going? And I've started to see signs of that. Man, that floater is nice. Right, right, exactly. I love it. Yeah. I love it. Yeah, and, and he's and in, in a very, very clutch uh, situation against Penn State, right? Yeah. So, Big time. you know, I'm, I'm, I'm hopeful. I, I see some encouraging signs, right? But they got to put they got to put a game together where they play on both ends of the floor. They got to get better at not letting their their uh, their offense affect their defense. That was an encouraging sign yeah. for the Michigan State game. And yep. then you got to steal one on the road. You know, it's not – I'm not taking home victories over Maryland and Penn State for granted. You know, you we just saw Maryland come back and beat Ohio State, right? So, you know, those are nothing to, to sneeze at. Yep. Uh, but you, you got to start getting some resume builders. And so those come on the road and then at home against marquee opponents. This is a key contest for, for Michigan to maybe try to steal one on the road against Iowa, a team that by the end of the, you know, they're two and three in the big 10 right now. I think they're going to be an upper tier big 10 team uh, by the end of the cycle. So if you can steal this one early, I think it's going to be one that you look at back on, look back upon at the end of the season as a, as a good victory on Michigan's uh, on Michigan's resume. Let's see if they can get it. Yep, yep, I believe. Yeah, Big Ten play is winning the games you're supposed to and then stealing a few that you weren't supposed to win. 
and you're, everyone's going to beat each other up. So if you can steal a few, this would be a big one. It's ripe for the taking. I I truly do believe in this team. Like if I could have five minutes with each player and just have like hype them up and just like tell them like you're talented, you're good, you're capable. Give them a little speech. Like I that's how much I do believe in the talent of these of these guys that they will get there uh, one day. It just kind of depends where that peak is. If they ever reach their peak development this year, um, and if they can kind of mimic what happened last year where they they got they got to their best in march which is not always easy to do it's hard to match up mm-hmm. but we'll see that that'll just be the kicker here i believe in their talent so yeah we're both positive with this team um sam i appreciate you coming on that was that was a lot of fun i definitely gotta have you back on we'll have you back on in the middle of the big 10 we gotta talk some more about how this team has developed and what you see because you and me see eye to eye a lot of things. So I like it. I like having you on. We can bounce back and forth and I can. <laughs> Absolutely, uh, man. Yeah. Anytime, Stu. I got you. Just call. Let me know. And I'm here, man. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. Yeah. Where can we find you, Sam? You can find me on Twitter at SamWeb77. You can also find me on my website at TheMichiganInsider.com. Perfect. Perfect. Check them out. Sam, I appreciate you. You've been a staple of Michigan media ever since I ever thought about Michigan basketball. So it's been awesome to now talk with you after all these years. Yeah. And hope to, hope to continue, man. Appreciate it. Absolutely, man. Anytime. All right. Thanks for listening, everybody. Until next time.